All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our Workflow Wednesday uh, sort of live Q&A podcast. Uh, this week is a little different. We're joined by Brett. Where, there you are. Oh, no, over there. Brett, <laughs> Brett, Brett Norquist. Um, uh, he's a part of our marketing team. And then our special guest for today is Brandon Carr, the IT lead for Contractor Nation. Um, so just to get started, um, Brandon, uh, give a little introduction of who you are, what you do for Contractor Nation, and then um, we'll hand it back over to Brett and kind of give a little explanation of what he does and why he's here. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, my name is Brandon Carr. I'm the IT team lead here at Contractor Nation in Seymour, Connecticut. Uh, you could probably see in the background, we got hit pretty hard uh, the no. past few days with some snow. Uh, I've been with the company for 10 years, uh, right out of high school. I went to a technical high school for uh, what was known as IST or Information Systems Technology. Oh, cool. Um, thankfully, they gave me the skills uh, in software and hardware. Uh, kind of a generalization of IT and it exposes you to a lot of what's going on in the field and it really came in in, uh, in handy for uh, getting a job right out of high school with a company like this uh, that just so happened to be in my hometown. Oh, that's neat. And Brett? Uh, yeah, I'm Brett. I've been with Puget Systems since, since uh, about 2011 and worked in various roles. I started out as a builder, uh, worked in sales consulting, and then uh, packed up my family and moved to southern Utah. And since that time, I've been like working on a lot of the content creation um, with case studies and our company blog and like collecting feedback from customers. So. Brandon and I worked together, what, about a year and a half ago, creating a, a case study that you can read on our, our website. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Thank you again for that. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. It was. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And uh, so, actually, it's good that you brought up the case study because that uh, focused a bit on Brandon's role as a part of the media production department for Contractor Nation. And so, uh, Contractor Nation helps out other contractors with their business building and, and things like that, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, we're here for business coaching, marketing. Uh, we have an internet marketing team that helps them with a website. Uh, we have a marketing team that helps them with graphics, um, any kind of you know things they want to do in the area of marketing. We, can, we actually have a local company that our owner started uh, originally. So we have an idea of what works for us and mm. we can tell them, uh, you know, what's working for us, what isn't. Oh, that's cool. Okay, cool. Right on. So, um, I guess just to start off, what um, what kind of like software and tools do you guys use to create the content? Yeah, for for sure. So, the uh, media production team uh, in Contractor Nation is known as the iStar Media Group, um, and they basically uh, work with Adobe um, and the entire Creative Cloud, um, whether it be Premiere, Audition, etc to create uh, video productions and audio productions for not only our company, but all of the dealers or contractors in our network. Oh, right on. That's pretty cool. And so it's like like training materials or like commercials and things? Yeah, whatever they need done. Um, a lot of commercials. Um, we have an annual convention every year. Um, so a lot of the year is them spending time uh, making the material for that. Um, and uh, yeah, pretty much anything that needs to be done in that space, whether it be social media content, you know, for Instagram or YouTube. Uh, they made documentaries before for our uh, owner. And uh, yeah, they can handle it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's that, that's actually really neat. Um, you don't hear that sort of thing very often where um, outside of, of like strict marketing companies that um, – and, and that tends to be just really general type content. So it's neat that you guys like focus on a particular industry and help out in that way. Yeah, for sure. It's really cool. That's pretty cool. Um, so it, like Brett was saying, it's been like a year and a half since the, the case study. How have things changed um, for you guys since everything yeah. since last year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a year. Um, a lot of masks, mm -hmm. <laughs> going through a lot of masks. Uh, I myself use a, a reusable one, so I've used the same 10 and just bleached them uh, in the laundry. But uh, I know the uh, surgical masks are a bit better. But uh, yeah, we do everything we can to be safe in terms of keeping a distance from one another. And, you know, our media team might be out in the field uh, on shots. So uh, they do everything in there. Uh, 
everything they can to use hand sanitizer, stay away from one another, uh, you know, masks, getting tested, all that type of thing. Oh, right on. And has the, I guess, the workflow changed much? Um, you know, are you guys having to use any sort of like cloud services or anything like that to get the production side finished? Yeah, for sure. So um, usually uh, we have a full office, um, but because of everything going on, a lot of people are working from home. Mm-hmm. They utilize uh, our VPN and, and they're able to remote into their desktops in the office, which are Puget. <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're able to get their, their work done that way. Right on. And has has that been a challenge like to kind of rework things that way? A uh, challenge, yeah, for sure. I think um, now they're pretty much used to the current workflow, but um, starting off, you know, making sure everyone has the VPN software at home, um, kind of getting them used to using it, um, renaming their machines specifically so it's easy for them to remote into, um, that, that type of thing for sure. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And um, I guess, like, have you guys had to change um the hardware or anything like that like what what sort of um stumbling blocks were there in that in those early stages i think we got lucky in the hardware uh area um a lot of the team you know works on media production from home um in their spare time it's something they like to do as a hobby Um, they love their work they're passionate about it Um, so thankfully at home they usually have um, what needs to be uh, what they need to get the job done Mm -hmm. Um, and in the office um you know, we slowly have upgraded over the years. I think uh, every maybe year we get two Puget machines. Uh, so, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so they kind of uh, decide who on the team needs to use which one for what purpose and what which ones are better at other things. So uh, that's work for them. Cool, cool. Brett, do you have any question? Um, yeah, about the content uh, was kind of going over, like you create just the different pieces, um, everything from training videos to promotional to marketing. I think you even mentioned like doing some small documentaries. I'm interested to get your take on the challenges of creating content for both an internal audience in terms of like training video, but then also with an external audience. What are some of the the challenges that you face in doing that? Yeah, for sure. I think um, what they focus on most is pre-production, making sure they have an idea of what they want to say with this uh, piece. Um, If it's training materials, you know, we used to have a lot of in-person trainings, but now it's um, kind of setting up you know, uh, alone, Um, someone in a room by themselves is going to train, you know, people that are watching via camera. Um, And if it's something like a documentary, um, our owner actually competes in a motorcycle race down in Baja. Um, So they have to go down there, travel. Um, So again, pre-production, making sure they have the equipment they need on this travel, Um, getting the shots that they need. So you know, what cameras do they need? Um, how many drones do they need? Um, all, all that to get the footage, um, getting it back to us uh, here at home base, if you will, or headquarters so that it can be worked on. And uh, then there's the actual production itself. Um, and then there's post-production. So that's where the Puja machines really come in handy with being able to handle the work that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and you have a, it looks like you have a, a large studio there, Brandon, like, has that, is that, uh, have you been able to use that or has that been reduced due to the, the last, you know, year or so of COVID? Have people been able to use the facility or I think you mentioned a lot of that videos being done individually from home. How's that worked out? Yeah. So the, the area that they work in with all the machines, um, it's kind of probably at 25% capacity. Um, I think they alternate who's coming in, who's staying home, that type of thing. Um, and then in terms of a standalone studio, um, they built one actually this year uh, at one of our other buildings in our corporate park. Um, and that's really come in handy because you can have one or two people at a distance um, with a nice background at any moment. There, not a lot of setup needs to be done. Um, it's kind of dedicated for that purpose with lights and the whole thing. Hmm, very cool. So you've been able to use it. I mean, we're in the same 
boat at Puget in terms of like building the computers, there's a number of restrictions. You know, we've been able to maintain that and the, the business has been uh, as good as ever because a, a lot of people that have migrated out of the office to home do need powerful machines to in order to do, to do their job. So we've it's been, you know, sad for the country, <laughs> but it has been in terms of business pretty good. It's glad to hear this. It sounds like the same uh, for you guys as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm curious um, about some of the more, I guess, like technical challenges in, in having a remote or, or with, with having to not, not just the, the like physical restrictions like masks and things like that, but what sort of, um, yeah, the technical challenges have there been over the last like year or so? Um, I don't think that many, to be honest. I think uh, the team was kind of experienced and ready for anything. Um, okay. And they have the the hardware that they need to get the job done. So it, like uh, you were saying, there is some difference of how they're doing it. But uh, I, don't, I don't think much has changed um, in the hardware space. Oh, okay. That's cool. Um, actually, we have a very interesting question from Twitch. Um, Deddy asks, I'm curious, uh, has this time taught... Or, I'm just going to quote it specifically. I'm curious, have this time teach them in, uh, something new that caught you by surprise in terms of workflow or efficiency? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say, um, you know, it's kind of a, a buzzword, but pivoting and um, being able to, you know, adapt to any situation very quickly. Um has really played a part in this past uh, year plus now, it seems like. <laughs> has the content changed much? I would say that they're trying to focus on the idea and the belief that we have of being safe at what we do. So I would say, you know, originally you might have a normal team of guys, let's say, working on a house that they're getting footage of. Um, it didn't really matter how close they were or what they were doing or wearing. But I think now they have an idea of um, showing, you know, the audience who's watching and viewers um, that we're, you know, social distancing and maybe there's a mask on in the footage that they're doing, that type of thing. Oh, that's kind of cool. Right on. Um, I'm curious. And I think maybe we've touched on this a little bit, but um, the the software or anything um again like you were saying some people have to go off to different locations and and whatnot um do you guys use anything specific to to bring that all together uh so we have um network attached storage on site and they have access to that from home uh via the vpn Mm, Um, a lot of the footage that they take um on their like you know sd cards and that type of thing um, they're able to offload to like external hard drives and they always make sure they have backups of everything. And then once it reaches our storage here, um, obviously that uh, backs up via snapshots and off to Google Cloud. <laughs> All right. I'm also curious, is there any particular, um, I guess, project that stands out as um, like your favorite or or um, challenging that was that you're really proud of of solving. Um, myself or the team, like a project that they've worked on, such as the documentaries. Uh, let's say both. We'll start with you, and then and then maybe one from the whole team. Myself, I, I guess from them and their perspective, I'm happy that we've been able to work together with Puget to make sure that they have the machines that they need to get the job done. I mean, that's first and foremost, if they're not happy or they're not satisfied with you know, the, the way their hardware and equipment is operating to get their job done on a day-to-day basis, then I, I'm not happy. Um, and on their perspective, I would have to give a shout out to a documentary that they made for our owner in, in that dirt bike race called Into the Dust. And it's a 90 minute full feature documentary. Oh, wow. Um, it's great work. Kind of gives a little background in the beginning about our company, our owner, uh, his story, and then this kind of a race that he has found himself in um, and overcoming some challenges in, in, in that. That's pretty cool. So you said you said you'd worked with Contractor Nation for ten years. Um, how has your role like evolved from the beginning? Let's see. I was hired in 2010. 
Um, and at the time, the company was known as Basement Systems. That wasn't even Contractor Nation yet. Um, and Larry Janeski, our owner, started Basement Systems in 1987. And it started as just a basement waterproofing company. Okay. Um, and he kind of learned the industry, learned the ins and outs, and realized that he actually had some ideas for products that he could patent to do um, to make the jobs easier, more efficient. And once he patented those products, he realized that there are probably other contractors doing what he does across the nation, maybe multiple nations. Um, uh, and, and he wanted to basically share that with them. Um, so he went on a road trip, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, neat. Hit, yep. Uh, locations and basically started this uh, headquarters or network of basement systems and basement waterproofing contractors all at the same time having a local dealership in Connecticut um, doing what uh he, he does best, and that's uh, waterproofing basements. Uh, eventually, he got into encapsulating crawl spaces and then finishing basements. Um, and so the tagline is all things basementy. <laughs> and uh, and he worked on, um, you know, w- once you realize that this industry is very similar to other contracting um, contractors, you know, maybe roofing, fencers, um, that type of thing, um, HVAC, electricians. It's all about, um, you know, marketing and s- selling these jobs to customers who have a need for these services. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of overlap and he realized that it would make more sense to rebrand um, and, or come up with some uh, an umbrella brand um, and that is Contractor Nation. Mm-hmm. And we have um, all those kind of kinds of contractors that I've mentioned in our network and we're able to help them and teach them things like how to serve customers most efficiently and properly in our opinion and um, how to do things like marketing. Um, we have a team in our uh, company called uh, the Treehouse Internet Group mm-hmm. um, and they actually build websites even at no cost if you'd like um, and they simply make um, their compensation based on how many leads we get you. So if we don't get you any leads, we haven't done a good job. You don't have to pay anything. (laughs) Wow. Whereas if we do a really good job for you, you're ranked number one in your, you know, local area for a specific term, like uh, electrician in, you know, XYZ city, and you're getting, you know, more business than you've ever had before and you're growing and hiring. And, and that means that we've done a good job and we are compensated more. Do you have software, Brandon, that you offer? I assume some of these contractors are just getting started and they may not understand all the tools that they're going to need as they grow their business. But are there uh, just in terms of like bringing things together, you certainly like create these assets. But are there software tools that you create for them or they can purchase or license from you that will help them run their business? So there's probably two things. Um, The Treehouse Internet Group um, has a team of software developers that have made an in-house content management system. Um, And inside that, uh, we have something that are known as widgets. And these widgets have different purposes, whether it's testimonials, before and after pictures, um, uh, reviews, for example, like giving a five-star review or one-star review, that type of thing. And there's so many of these uh, widgets that um, a a contractor can use to create content for this website that we built them. Um, And that that widget that they use and that content that they create can be localized to the customer who gave them that content. So, for example, if you get a testimonial from someone in, um, you know, XYZ City, and someone comes to the website that has an IP in XYZ City, our websites dynamically show that content to that person. Mm-hmm. So they feel nice. better about, okay, does this company serve my area? Oh, they must because they have before and after pictures in the area, they have testimonials and reviews in the area, that type of thing. Nice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and secondly, Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Our owner has actually created a platform called uh, the School of Entrepreneurship. Um, And it's basically an online course. There are also in uh, in person courses, but not currently. (laughs) 
um, <laughs> where he teaches um, contractors um, at their own pace. So they could watch one video a day, they could watch 10 videos a day. Um, and anything from accounting, marketing, um, serving customers with something that he calls wow service or that we call wow service which is serving a customer so well that they go wow you know we've all um emailed a company to contact us and you'll get an automatic email that they'll get back to you in 72 hours mm-hmm. and you go oh my gosh i want to talk to someone now and then you call them and you get hit with the auto robotic you know pressing one, press two, and you're stuck in this queue and you can't get to someone and you, you know, you pull up to their office maybe because it's really important and no sign. You're not sure who to talk to, what to go. So that's just a poor customer experience. Mm-hmm. We believe in, you know, being quick and efficient with customers. Um, you know, if someone comes in for whatever reason, we're there to help them. Anyone, you know, how, how can I help you? Isn't what we say. We say, I can help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if someone, uh, you know, emails, we try to get back to them as soon as possible. Um, you know, that type of thing, just providing them with service that's makes them say, wow. We're, we're kind of in the same group. I think sometimes the bar isn't set very high. If you've tried to schedule any contract worker on your home or <laughs> even call another, you know, some computer companies, but it, it, it sometimes, yeah, it's just helping them because they're experts in what they do, but running the business side, they may not understand everything that's needed. And then you guys are there with all these other companies that can, can assist them in that. Exactly. We've all called a contractor and just have gotten hello. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you've reached so and so services. You know, I can help you. That type of thing. Yeah. So we have a we have actually a question from Twitter. Uh, Eric Brown asks, "What pain points did you guys have that pushed you to needing a solution like Puget Systems?" I think it all came down to the amount of work that we already had on our plate um, before realizing that they needed um, more powerful machines um, and then realizing, you know, the amount of time and effort that would go into building them ourselves, which we could certainly do, but it does take away from, you know, our other responsibilities while at the same time realizing while we're, we could probably build them the machines and they would be fine that there are probably, you know, professionals that do this on a daily basis that can do this and troubleshoot and make sure that they run diagnostics on everything and that there are no problems or faults with the parts. You know, I built a few uh, computers in my day and, you know, there's always something that, you know, wasn't plugged in quite properly. And all at the same time, you know, these team members are waiting to produce content. So we didn't want to be a bottleneck in any way. How large is the the team, the, the media production team? Media production team is probably around 12 people. Okay. Wow. Right on. And um, I guess, do you have an estimate of like the, I guess the amount of content you said you're, you kind of reached a point where it was too much. And so how much was that is too much? Um, uh, you mean in terms of the content they were producing? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Just, I mean, the, the load, um, that you guys produce, um, I feel like I'm not quite getting the question out correctly. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think currently, you know, it's probably based based on uh, other industries where you have just a back load of work and projects that need to be done and you kind of prioritize, you know, which ones are most valuable and which ones are most important to the company at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess, and is it, is there, oh, I'm sorry, let me try to do this properly. Um, I guess, I guess it just comes down to what, what are you guys, what are you, the media production team able to do now that you couldn't before? Um, I guess as technology, uh, you know, gets better and kind of different tools come to the prosumer consumer area, um, such as drones, you know, 10 years ago when I started, I don't think that's something that existed. Whereas now um, they're using drones, you know, weekly, monthly, that's cool. <laughs> uh, they get a lot of use out of the drones. So you'll see in the shots of different projects that they do, you know, overheads and things like that, getting kind of that uh, bird, it's a bird's eye view. Right on. That's pretty cool. There's another question from Twitch from, from Deddy again. Um, is there any tech that you're excited about? 3D printers, AI, augmented reality, big data in terms of work? 
yeah, all those excite me. Uh, we have a 3D <laughs> printer currently at one of our buildings that's um, creating different um, odds and ends for some of the uh, patented products that our owner has created. Um, so that's a lot easier for uh, th that team at that building who's responsible for assembling certain parts um, than having to wait on uh, deliveries, for example. Um, and they're also able to use software to customize, you know, um, and try different things to make the parts uh, more efficient. Um, AI, um, that should be very interesting uh, going forward. Um, I know our uh, Treehouse Internet group is always trying to figure out how we can utilize uh, Alexa or Siri, for example, so that when someone says, you know, something to the effect of, you know, basement waterproofing in Seymour, Connecticut, for example, um, how, how can we make sure that our company showing up in that type of search uh, with AI? That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious too. Um, just a, kind of in a general sense about the the AR VR in in uh, the construction industry in general. Like, how how do you? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's another exciting space that they're they're working on. Um, they basically um, use 3D modeling software to um, make a basement, for example, um, and they show the whole process of this is what your basement might look like now um, this is what it will look like when we're done with it and it goes through a step-by-step -step process that the customer can actually wear in their own home um, and see that process occur so in terms of a, a you know selling our services to a customer who might need them mm -hmm. um, we feel like we can show that customer why we're the best in the industry at what we do oh neat so you guys actually have uh, applied that sort of thing to your work. Oh, that's yeah, really sure. Yeah, any kind of uh, industry, we try to make sure that we're on the forefront of it, not only for ourselves, but for the contractors in the network. Oh, that's really neat. Cool. Um, uh, I'm, before I have another question, but before I ask, how in, how involved are you in the the content creation process as the IT lead? Not very involved, to be honest. Um, okay. That team kind of operates on their own, and the IT team, um, myself and two other team members, are there to support them. So we have to make sure that they have what they need to do their jobs. Okay. To that, Brandon, you know, with the IT is usually when things are going right, it's in the background, and you don't hear a lot from them until something goes wrong. Has have you noticed, uh, you know, the a greater importance being putting on the work that you do since COVID has happened? And then the second part of that is just, do things kind of go back to normal, or do you believe there's technologies or changes to processes at Contractor Nation that will be implemented, kind of permanently? Something that maybe best practices that you've learned going through all this. Yeah, for sure. Um, we have basically two types of um, problems or t issues that we deal with, one being uh, projects. And those projects can either be things that we're fixing or things that we're doing to make sure things don't break in the future. Mm -hmm. um, and we also have tickets. So we have a help desk system. Um, anyone has a problem at all in the company, they put in a ticket and we're there for them. Um, those are pr primarily our two um, most important things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis is projects and tickets. Um, and then as far as you know, the future, I, I think things are going to change for sure. Um, I think uh, I've heard real estate, for example, is going to have a tough time um, finding companies that you know want to rent office space now that um, it's kind of been demonstrated to everyone that it is possible to work remotely and it is possible to work from home. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that with office space, with the building and stuff. So you hear of all this pent up demand in the economy and that will probably spill over into like travel and people have been cooped up for so long. But you're right. Some of these other things, it has opened up. I, I was, I believe, our first remote employee that was outside of the Seattle area. And I remember for the first, you know, year, year and a half stumbling through in 2013 how to connect with my coworkers, and that that's really been the biggest challenge over the years is keeping that connection and i can travel to seattle well up until the last year when i want but that is something that is very it related but not something that has been a focus 
I think there's many companies who felt like unless you were sitting in a seat or in an office that you weren't being productive and you needed to be monitored. But have you seen any change in that, Brandon, where your company or others that you've worked with are more open to, I mean, they've kind of been forced to, but do you think that will be scaled back drastically or do you see kind of a change in opinion about remote workers? I think there's probably a, a balance to both. I think um, some people might realize that they need a day to work from home just to get out of the office. And I, at the same time, think, you know, always working from home, you kind of lose that connection with coworkers and it might make sense to do something that's more staggered in and out. But uh, e either way, I know uh, we might lose on our end some of the business of real estate, um, you know, property owners in the in corporate commercial space that you know have problems you know for example with a foundation repair um that's something that we have contractors in our our network that can fix however the people are now working at home and they realize that they need more space to do work away from the kids and away from mm -hmm. the chaos um so yeah. maybe it's time to waterproof that basement and finish it and make it a nice office space and maybe all this time at home you realize you know the roof is kind of leaking a little bit we should get that fixed and you know all this junk that we have in the house maybe a junk removal company that we have in our network can remove it for us and you know all these uh, contractors in our um, network have realized that this has kind of been an interesting challenge to overcome but that there are some you know sadly or not so sadly benefits to what has happened hmm. how often brandon do you bring the contractors together it sounds like you have at least an annual gathering speak to that a little bit like what is it that you guys do what are you looking for when you have these large events and can bring them together yeah, for sure. So uh, two times a year, we have what are known as super trainings. And those are the services that mainly our associations offer. So we have a um, association known as Dr. Energy Saver. And the idea of that um, association is to go into a home and make it more comfortable and make it more energy efficient to save you money on a monthly basis, whether it be heating and cooling. Um, we have an association uh, known as uh, Klaus Roofing Systems, which is our roofing association. So we can show folks, um, you know, the right way that contractors should be roofing these homes to make sure they last for 50 years, you know, not the standard 25. 20. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's something that we stand by. Um, we also, obviously, our basement systems is probably our most known association. So we help uh, make sure that our dealers are on top of the best way to get the job done, um, working with their teams and the equipment and making sure the jobs are going smoothly. And they realize that the more jobs that they're able to do, um, the less uh, teams they actually need to have, which means um, the more money uh, for the workers um, as they usually pay on a, a per job basis. Mm -hmm. So the more jobs that they're able to get done, the more money they make. Yeah. Do you manage not, I mean, I'm sure, you know, just the PCs, all the computing power that's required, but are, do you also, Brandon, does your team also manage in terms of like drones and storage and video, all the video equipment that's required to create this content? We're, we're happy to do that. Um, but luckily that team is so um, knowledgeable and, ex and experienced in that area that they're able to manage most of that stuff themselves. So you're not out there flying the drones, huh, Brandon? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> no. Nuts. Um, well, actually, to tag off of that then, um, what what are some of the biggest headaches that you encounter as a as an IT lead um, for all of this? I guess it's the that not knowing what today is going to bring. Um, it's good and bad. Every day is different, but uh, it's hard to sometimes stay on top of the next thing that's going to go wrong. Mm. If we're not quite sure what that is. Sure. Um, so we always believe in documentation. So whenever we fix a problem, we document the problem and what happened and how it was fixed. Mm. And so that the next time it happens, it can be fixed easily. Um, or hopefully it never happens again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd say that's probably most important. But at the, at the end of the day, we do that. And then something that we've never had happen happens the next day. And it's kind of a, a cycle like that. But yeah. I'll knock on wood. Things have been pretty good uh, as of recent. <laughs> right on. Um, like what kind of things specifically go wrong for you guys? 
Um, I mean, it, it could be anything from a, a local server that we have in the uh, server room that backs up to another server. For some reason, you know, 10 years I've been here, one time it just, it's not doing its job properly. And so, okay, time to learn Linux again. Oh, wow. <laughs> I haven't, haven't used it in a while since it hasn't been broken in a while, that, that type of thing. <laughs> okay. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'd like to, I'm curious about your experience with Puget as well uh, versus, versus, I mean, did you get, so um, let me expand on that a little bit. Before working with Puget, um, did you guys have a contract like with Dell or HP? Did you work with another vendor? Um, not for these types of machines. We knew these were going to be uh, power hungry machines. Um, and the director of IT who previously worked with the company had used um, you, you guys for their first two or four orders, some, somewhere around that. And so, um, you know, I, I stuck with that um, and to really have a good hands-on experience with the original orders. So I, I didn't know what to expect, but my mind was completely blown at the level of customer service you guys have. And, you know, the amount of detail you get when you get one of these machines and the pictures of the you know, thermo imaging and all that, that type of thing. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I always like, I always like hearing when we make people happy. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, I'm curious, looking forward, um, what sort of things that are on the horizon do you think, like the, you said you're, you're constantly learning and there's new challenges every day. What sort of things do you, do you see coming that'll, that'll affect, um, not well your role as it lead but then also like the construction industry in a as a as a whole maybe yeah i'd say as an it lead it's probably how uh, technology is changing i know um you know going to the cloud is another kind of uh, cliche at this point but it's true a lot of services are, are going that way and the you know fewer things that we have in-house that can break physically mm -hmm. uh, almost the better in my eyes, because we now have a, you know, a company or a service that handles that for us remotely and they manage that. And if things go wrong, you know, now I can point a finger and get on a phone <laughs> in terms of, uh, you know, delegating that to, to a different company or kind of offloading it. And, and is there any changes on the horizon for construction in general? Construction, I, I think we probably touched on it a little bit with VR. I think mm -hmm. um, just being able to be, you know, a salesperson for a contractor and to go into a customer's home and put these, you know, goggles on them that have been sanitized and <laughs> are given at a distance, that type of thing. But uh, they can, you know, really see what's going to happen to their home on a step-by-step -step basis, you know, you see the, uh, the jackhammer going across the basement and creating little trenches that the water can then flow into. So instead of getting it on your nice, you know, uh, on the floor and start flooding, you, you know, all the stuff you have in your basement, it's in instead going into trenches that make its way to a sump pump and then pushed out to your yard at a distance. So oh, wow. that, that type of thing. That's really cool. Yeah. I like, I definitely enjoyed seeing some of the the visualization aspect of things. It's its not just, you know, it's kind of hard to visualize sometimes when it's just drawings or, or uh, as, as I just bought a house that is new construction, it was difficult to, to know what it was going to be picking out tile and things like that. So it, it is really cool to, to see those advancements in that. In fact, um, actually touching on that, what, what software do you guys use for that? Um, for the sales for the, process or the, the visualization part, at least the, for the, so the same, that same software team I told you about earlier that created mm -hmm. the content management system actually created the, uh, the VR, uh, program. Oh. And then the animations behind it were made by the media production team. So oh, wow. <laughs> it's kind That's of a cool. lot of teams internally in our company working together to, you know, get used to different types of technology that are emerging. Right on. That's cool. I, w I wouldn't have expected it to be um, all in-house. Uh, a lot of times you hear like Unreal Engine and things like that are being used to, um, to simplify that. But that's really neat that you guys have so, such a strong team that you can customize uh, that sort of a thing. Is, is there any particular reason uh, that you guys built it yourselves instead of using something like Unreal or, or Unity or something? Um, it, it's very possible that those uh, engines might be used by them, um, oh, okay. but, but they are, uh, at the end of the day, developing it from you know scratch from themselves maybe not from scratch but themselves um it's not like we're using an outside company to 
have this product made for us, that type of thing. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, right. That's neat. Does your does your team, Brandon, kind of look to you as to provide them um, like with new technology to kind of keep them educated on, you know, something like drones, like you said, 10 years ago, uh, is that something that like you keep a heads up for You're reading trade magazines and can keep up on what's changing. And so that you can go back to these product teams and say, Hey, this is on the horizon, or maybe we should try this new technology. Is that part of your job? For sure. Yeah, I would say it's a fair balance, though. They see something, you know, that another (laughs) company did. They come to us and say, how can we do it? And at the same time, uh, uh, myself and the team might see something that we think, oh, that would be cool if that team was doing that. And we bring it to them and say, hey, have you guys considered this? And we go from there. Yeah. Cool. Cool. It's fun being on a team that's open, you know, like that. I've been on some that are so locked down, you know, they found their solution. That's what they're sticking with, whether it's, you know, Windows or Linux or Mac or, you know, but also have you, do you, are there people in your, on the creative team that use Macs that use Linux machines or is it you guys mostly a Windows shop but tell me a little bit about are there people on tablets or Microsoft surfaces how agnostic are you guys in terms of the the compute power that you use yeah for sure I'd say some of our um, most of our standard users uh, use Dell laptops um, but the software team, I know uh, at one point we'd basically just give them a desktop and they would do what they want with it in terms of Linux and <laughs> that type of thing. <laughs> and so then, they have some, they have some flexibility on, on what software they use. Okay. Yeah, and then sure. the systems that we built for you guys, those are the ones that are specifically running like Adobe creative cloud, right? Exactly. DaVinci. Okay. Yep, so it's sure. because it's because the needs it's a you they need higher more performance that they couldn't get on a Dell laptop. Exactly. Okay. And then we do have a graphics teams and they love their Macs and, and uh, they have their <laughs> iMacs. So yeah. <laughs> we have a pretty good uh, amount of diversity here in terms of Yeah, it, you know it's become easier over the years too to switch between the two and I, you know, I'm admitting here I've worked, been with Puget Systems and spent a few years at Microsoft. So I started on Windows but I also have a Mac that I travel with. And it just, it, I don't know, I'm kind of glad that those op, the OS wars are seem to be subsiding because for a while there, it just, it felt like you had to take a side or another. And today with the cloud services, with so many, with SaaS, um, it's really becomes a non-issue switching between the two. I mean, I prefer Windows, but I have family and friends that prefer something else and that works for them, so... That's good to hear. And I think the companies that allow that choice internally is a smart way to a smart way to go. I agree. I mean, I myself, I use a uh, MacBook Pro, but I use VMware Fusion to make sure I do have that Windows 10 available when I need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, being an IT, like you're usually the one that like you come after. Oh, IT gets all of the system before I get it. And they drop an image down on it. And it's like, <laughs> it, it, is it that strict there, Brandon? Or do you allow people to kind of run what they need to do their job or are there specific like profiles you know somebody you drop an image down on their box and that's what they get or can they customize it it's pretty much customizable i mean leadership here is really good about realizing that leadership itself is about you know serving you know the people that are on their team and giving them what they need to do the job and so that's something that's kind of goes throughout all our companies and we think everyone enjoys that good i hope i've had some i I hoped if i have a work at another place brandon i have an it person as uh, open as you are because i've had the opposite where it's like you load on a piece of chat software or something and it notifies them and it that night it gets taken off so um, yeah well and there's probably a balance right of like have making sure that they're secure and safe especially at home and they're using vpns uh, making exactly. sure that they probably making sure their information that they have that needs to be, you know, private is kept private. And so there's For probably sure. use. Yeah. Best practices that you can help them under. Exactly. All of our machines, um, Windows, at least are on the domain, the company domain. Um, we're administrators of that domain. So if someone needs to install something, we do have to help them do that. 
Um, and it's as simple as asking their team lead if it's okay if that piece of software is on their machine. And it's almost 99% always a yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's a, I like that. That's a, that's a good kind of balance, like you were saying, of, of there is a bit of restriction. It's not just like, here you go, have do whatever you want. But, but there's still a flexibility to customize that experience for the individual. That's really nice. Because exactly. it crossed my mind, like, man, it's got to be hard to, to administer all of that, <laughs> to, to support all of these different devices and things like that. If you just let them all go willy nilly. Oh, um, yeah. We tried that before. <laughs> <laughs> there's the ransomware involved. And uh, after oh, that, no. oh, yeah. uh, endpoint protection on everything. Uh, we're administrators. If you want something, please let us know. We'll make it happen yeah. for you. But <laughs> since then, again, I'll knock on wood. But uh, no problems. Oh, good. That's good. That's cool. Right on. Um, I'm I'm curious, just from a uh, I guess from the support side, is it what what has been uh, an interesting like um, challenge or or um, yeah that, that you've encountered in in all of this in the ten years? Interesting challenge. I I tend to lean back on that uh, never knowing what's going to happen next, never knowing what the next ticket is. Um, you know, you might have a a light day or a light morning and realize, you know, something crazy goes wrong in the afternoon and it could take, you know, three weeks to figure out this next issue that you're not sure what it is and you have to work with vendors and third parties and, you know, you're on message boards and you're trying to figure out what, you know, how can I solve this and that type of thing. (laughs) And then the next week it could be completely, you know, dead, for example, Um, no tickets coming in and you're kind of just working on uh, projects to make things better in the future. That's pretty cool. Let me see. I have a a couple other list of things here. Um, Actually, I mean, I don't know. Brett, do you have any question? Um, I guess what what are just thinking there's a lot of uh, talk right now about like privacy and tracking and after we've had these elections and hackers getting into things social media clearly you've seen a lot of you've seen you know we've seen Facebook and Twitter be called to these like congressional hearings I guess I'd be interested in you are there are there are there concerns around that that you have like being in IT or are we are do you think that, that those are the right concerns uh, to be, you know, top of mind right now? Or are there other things happening that you see in your role that we should be as concerned with? I mean, you mentioned malware. It's something that doesn't get it kind of, you know, a lot of companies that that hits, they don't necessarily want to come forward and admit that happened. But are there other technologies or concerns that you have that keep you up at night? I would say the thing that concerns me most is probably the average user of the internet um, and them understanding, you know, that there are certain protocols that they should follow um, to be more secure, uh, whether it be, you know, the type of passwords they use or the type of information that they're giving out to others. At the end of the day, we think uh, user training is the most important aspect of security. Mm -hmm. Um, So we tend to put our our foot on that pedal in terms of sending out emails, kind of educating users on the types of things that they should be doing. And just kind of uh, understanding that anything that you do on the internet, whether you think it's private or not just assume it isn't um it's tough at a certain point where you know you're making a purchase and you have to enter a a credit card and do you want that credit card to be saved on your google profile and that type (laughs) of thing uh you know there are, are decisions that you have to make um that put up barriers with security you know you could be extra safe and but that does make things a little more difficult when it's time to make a purchase on amazon and that type of thing so there's a little bit of give and take in, you know, making things easier versus uh, putting up another security barrier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's certainly a balance, right, about letting people do what they need to do, but also maintain privacy and, you know. Sure. Yeah, there's people that say, you know, you make sure your passwords are at least 12 characters and, you know, they have a lowercase, uppercase number and, you know. And there's the people that say you shouldn't even know what your password is. Just write it down or use like a password, you know, application, mm-hmm. like a password safe that you can pull up and then you can. But then it's when it's time to actually get into that account and, you know, you need to get in there quickly. Now you got to pull out your phone or, you know, it, it creates about more time 
that you need to take to actually, uh, you know, work and get on with your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you know, you probably get asked to help, you know, family and relatives like with their computing needs, but I'm always, oh, yeah. I'm always like astounded when I'm asked to go like install a printer driver and they've got four or five sticky notes of every, their Gmail password, their Amazon password. And, oh, and, yeah. and it's really not their fault. You're right. Like you're talking about the regular user. They don't know about LastPass or OnePass or password managers and they've been asked to change it and they've heard, you know, and so it's by the time you, I mean, I can't even imagine how many save passwords passwords I have into my browser, but dozens, there's just no way you could keep track of all this stuff. So exactly. And then there's the idea that, you know, you shouldn't, you know, stay logged into certain sites. Um, you know, you should always log out and sure that's, yeah. that's great if you're, you know, device is taken and that type of thing, but then, you know, who could be logging into all these websites themselves all day. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, on the security side of things, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to an expansion of um, security keys, right? We've we've kind of evolved from something you know, like a password, and and we're moving on into, and then you have things like Face ID, which is something you are, um, biometrics and things like that, to something you have. And I, I find that, that evolution to be really interesting because, like, you have things like two-factor two authentication, which is kind of what you have, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to things like I think Google has a little it's like a USB key kind of thing and you stick that in and it unlocks stuff for you and that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. Really neat. I'm, just, I'm excited for just because like it's hard to balance ease of use with security. Exactly. Yeah. Um, when there is a, a comment that might be a question from Twitch, Diddy, Diddy again, it says, um, he says, it sounds like Brandon runs a normal ITIL service system management. Um, I, I asked him to expand on that a little bit because I'm not, I'm not really sure what he means by that. That's fair. I, I know that there are organizations and foundations in the IT space that have different standards and things that they recommend that are most safe and things that you should do. And we're always keeping our ears open and trying to follow best practices for sure. Mm, okay, because that had been, that was a new term for me, the IT IL service system management. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means exactly. That's why I asked him to kind of expand on that a little bit. Um, actually, you seem to recognize that term. What is that? What, what I'm is familiar with the abbreviation. I couldn't tell you exactly what the uh, okay. abbreviation stands for. But, so, uh, so, in in context, what is what is a, an IT IL service system then? Uh, I, I'd, I'd honestly have to look it up, oh, but don't worry about it. <laughs> in, in general, it's just um, you know uh, uh, best practices and industry standards for IT. Oh, okay, okay, that's cool. I was I was hoping you would, yeah, get a little more detail into that because that was a new one for me. I usually am pretty pretty savvy about about these things. So. I feel like there are new acronyms every day. Oh, yeah, right. especially in IT. <laughs> yeah, always, it's always something. It's, um, I'm curious. Just so you had mentioned that you you know you try and stay up on top of things. What resources do you turn to for just staying apprised in, in your ongoing education for IT? Um, usually it's, um, you know, what you see other companies doing and also a, a mix of, you know, surfing the internet and seeing what you're kind of being advertised, um, that, that type of thing. Um, what other people are doing online in terms of forums and message boards and that, that, that type of space for sure. Okay. Any, anything in particular that comes to mind? Um, I think we covered most of the technologies um, that, you know, you, you hear most about, um, but... Nothing I could think of specifically. Okay. No, no, no particular forum or website you go to on a, on the regular. Um, I think there's a good um, a Reddit a subreddit uh, called Sysadmin. Okay. Um, so I tend to uh, surf there and kind of browse and see what they're doing <laughs> on their end. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, this one's going to be really broad. Do you have any sort of advice for other folk who are in your position? Um, anything that maybe you've learned specifically from your from working with this industry? Um, yeah, just any any cool words of advice or, or tips for other IT leads out there? 
Yeah, I guess I'd uh, lean more towards on uh, the leadership side of things. And again, just um, understanding that you're there to serve the team, um, train them, uh, remove barriers for them, um, love them and trust them, um, let them make mistakes that they can learn from, uh, that type of thing. Um, and just kind of seeing yourself more as a leader. And, um, you know, you obviously need to be experienced and understand technology and keep up with what's happening in that space. But um, if you have a team under you, that they're usually more than happy to do that for you um, so that you can focus on what we call HVAs or higher value activities within the company. Um, and you can kind of, gives you a little bit of time to kind of see what other teams are doing um, and how you can help other teams um, in your company. And it kind of stops these silos being created where you kind of are an IT guy and everyone sees you as the IT person. Instead, they see you as a resource or, uh, you know, a tool, if you will, that they can use to help better their team with technology or otherwise. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's important too. The the people side of stuff. Um, I think I think I've felt recently that that has been a kind of a bigger focus for a lot of management. Um, it's less about uh, less less stick, more carrot, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, I. I which is uh, an interesting take because like uh, oftentimes it, it seems that in, especially in bigger companies that it isn't so much like there's the difference between a boss and a leader. Right. And, and there's definitely been a shift in that mentality lately that I've seen at least. And which yeah. is really nice because, you know, it, you, you work with people that they're not just cogs in the machine. And um, <laughs> It makes, it makes a big difference to be recognized as like a, a human being and not just a number. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your point about being a resource, I think that's key. Because um, you've we've all worked at companies where the last thing you wanted to do was to go to IT with anything because you were just going to get yelled at. Right. And, uh, you know, so to, a different approach is like, hey, I have this problem. What, what do we have that can, you know, help me get over it? So I, I'm glad to hear that changing. And like you said, working with Puget Systems, because you could have come in as the IT lead and say, hey, we're going to build these machines or we're going to go with somebody that, you know, maybe knocks a, a few hundred dollars off the price or whatever. But it's good to see like, no, this I, this by going with more reliable systems allows me to focus on these higher value, you know, projects instead of uh, maintaining janky machines. Yeah, so exactly. we're, 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 glad, <laughs> we're glad, Brandon, that you went that direction. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we're big on value here. So if there was ever a situation where you're negotiating uh, over something, you got to think about: Do I want to negotiate a lower price, or can I instead negotiate more value on the other end? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Value can be seen. You're right. Across a wide spectrum of maybe up front, something costs a little bit more, but over the long run, the value wins out over, you know, sure costs. So that's what we've tried. That's an approach we've tried to take and focus on companies like yours that appreciate that value. There is some training being on the consulting side and seeing sometimes it takes a little education or, you know, somebody's not quite there yet. Um, but we, we're seeing that in the industry as well as people want to spend less time troubleshooting their equipment, um, oh, whether it's a workstation or a laptop or storage or, you know, file server. And, and some of this is just using higher quality gear. Some of it may be using, uh, like you said, offsite services or third party cloud services that allow them to focus. So that's what. I guess that's the part that keeps Houston and I up at night is making sure we're on the right, we're, that we're building still, you know, systems and solutions um, that our customers need. And it sounds like that's similar with what Contractor Nation does as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I, I always come back to the thought of um, time. It, that's that's what it ends up really being sold, right, is, is the time. Um, you know whether whether it's it's making sure that the thing gets built on time and or finished within the right like um, window or or saving fifteen minutes on an export for a video uh, anything like that it, it always comes back to selling time and that that's what I've found at least in, in all of this it, it, that, that it's always a, a topic that comes up like oh man we were we were able to do either do more in the same amount of time or get things 
done quicker. And exactly. That's, that's super huge. That's yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at a company, the more that you're able to do and that the team is able to do themselves, it means less, the less people you have to hire. And mm-hmm. so what we've seen, at least in our companies, is that payroll is usually the, one of the highest expense that a company has. Mm-hmm. And the less people you have to pay because, you know, our teams are able to do more with the systems and machines that you've helped build for them. Um, less people, um, more profit. Um, and now we have an opportunity in our team members to at the you know annual review to say, you know, I, I think I deserve a race. And the company actually has money to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Um, oh, it looks like it looks like we're right about at our hour here. So um, is there anything uh, you'd like to mention or shout out or or highlight before we go? Uh, really just to thank you guys. I really appreciate you having me on this and uh, had a lot of fun. Oh, good. Right. Anyone have, uh, has any questions about you know what we do here at Contractor Nation? Uh, feel free to reach out to me at bcar b c a r r at contractornation.com. Uh, if there's a contractor in your area that you need a service done, we'll we'll help you. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. I think yeah. Thank you. Oh, go ahead, Brett. Yeah, good to finally meet you, Brandon. It was a joy working with the case study. I'm glad that you reached out. It was a uh, always fun to talk with uh, someone with the IT background and really interesting for our customers to hear your perspective today you as well brett it was amazing <laughs> yeah so yeah thank you brandon for taking time out of the day and, and you as well brett for joining us today as well it was a lot of fun having an extra person on it makes things a little a little more fun I like that. Thank I you. wanted to meet Brandon. Yes, I <laughs> And uh, I'd also like to thank the audience as well for joining us today on our Workflow Wednesday. Uh, we do this every Wednesday and Friday. Uh, Wednesdays, we bring in outside experts like Brandon to talk about how they get things done, their workflow and process, tips and tricks and things. And then on Fridays, we bring in a member of our labs team and soon to be support and uh, consulting to kind of give you guys a bit of a peek behind the curtain of what we do and how we can help you get your job done better. Uh, so I think that's it. Oh, yeah. Mark your calendars, Wednesdays, Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs> Bye.